Hi everybody, this is Trevor Lee. This is episode number 141 of the Running 44 at 60 podcast. Now I have said in several previous episodes, this is not all about the arc of attrition. We're, we're, towards, we're almost at the end of February now when this goes out and people are still keen to talk about the arc of attrition, which is great. Now my guest is Mike Samuels and Mike uh, actually had a fantastic arc of attrition 100. He came 13th, equal 13th, in a time of 23 hours and 24 seconds, which was three and a half hours quicker than he was in 2023. So that is amazing. So we've got Mike on the show. But what we're really going to focus on is Mike um, Mike combines powerlifting with ultra running. So everybody knows that, you know, a bit of strength and conditioning work is good for runners. So we're going to go and talk to Mike about his powerlifting and ultra running and how he's combined the two and how they've benefited mutually for him in his adventures. Um, he'll also mention uh, in the podcast uh, towards the end about going on, the, on a couple of adventures and I'll put links to those in the show notes. Now, if you're doing something that's really uh, not been covered by this podcast before, a big race or something like that, then get in touch, podcast at trevorleemedia.co.uk, and we'll arrange to get you on the show and come and tell us about the run that you did, and you can describe it to listeners and hopefully encourage them to go out there and do that as well. So you don't have to have been on a podcast before. We'll uh, fix it all up on Zoom. It's dead easy to organise. And uh, yeah, it'd be great fun. So this could be your opportunity. So do get in touch, podcast at trevorleemedia.co.uk. And if you are a regular listener and you haven't left a review or rating for this podcast so far, please do so. That would be great. Helps other people find it. If you look on your podcast app, if you're listening to this via your phone, just scroll down through, you know, find the show, scroll down, and you'll go past recent episodes, five or six recent episodes, and then you'll get to the point where you can leave a rating or review. So that would be fantastic. Right, we better go over and say hello to Mike. Well, here we are, Mike. It's great to have you on the podcast, and, and thanks for being an avid listener. I'm, you know, that's great. Hey Trevor, yeah, no worries at all. Like I said, it's uh, yeah, certainly kept me company on a lot of long runs the last couple of years. Oh gosh, you must be fed up of listening to my voice then, flipping heck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think with the uh, the variety of guests you have, it's uh, yeah, never get fed up of it. Well, that's what I'm after with this podcast is a variety of guests, and um, you're here to talk about the relationship between powerlifting and ultra running, which is a completely new topic for this podcast, but. Uh, you also did the Arc of Attrition 100 and had a fantastic time. So we will talk about that. But as I keep banging on to the regular listeners, this is not just about the Arc of Attrition, this podcast. <laughs> so powerlifting and ultra running. When did you get into both or either of those? So I suppose kind of the, the fitness journey, so to speak, started when I was late teens. And actually, I sort of played around in the gym, but nothing too seriously. And I got into running and didn't do anything serious with that either, particularly. It was more I would do sort of local 5Ks, 10Ks, that kind of thing. And then it would have been my kind of probably about 19, 20. I got much more into the lifting side of things and competed in my first powerlifting competition when I was about 22 or so. And then I think I probably did about 11 or 12 competitions up till I was, what, 28, 29. Uh, and then that was kind of the period where I suppose we were sort of going into, we had lockdown and everything. So powerlifting competing was out of the out the window there. Carried on my training, but just kind of got a bit bored in lockdown of, you know, only being able to do bodyweight exercises and training in the garden and stuff. So I started doing a few runs. 
and then worked up to doing a half marathon. Uh, and then after that, I just got very interested in ultras. And I thought, actually, is it possible to combine these couple of bits? So I started watching some stuff on YouTube. So there are a few of these so-called hybrid athletes doing things like a, a 500 pound squat and a five minute mile in the same day. And just a few people combining it. And I thought, do you know what? I'm never, I'm never going to be elite at either discipline, but I think I can be relatively, you know, wouldn't say good, but relatively okay at both. And so, yeah, it would have been the last two and a half years or so. I've been trying to combine them with varying degrees of success, but I suppose a lot of enjoy- enjoyment along the way. <laughs> well, that, that's great stuff. So, so right now, then, when you're, I mean, obviously, you did the Arc Hundred, and you've done you've done other hundred mile runs as well. So, how do you split your kind of training time, Mike? Because I've got a feeling that a lot of people who, when they go into the long run environment, they think they've got to train exclusively out running and and don't do a lot of other stuff. I'd say generally, probably time wise, it's about fifty fifty between the two. Certainly leading up to a peak volume block of running training kind of five, six weeks out before a race, it will probably sway to more like 60, 40 in favor of the running. But generally I'll do normally about four lifting sessions a week in the gym with an average of about an hour to an hour and a half each. And then if I'm honest, I'm quite a low volume runner. I think my weekly mileage last year was about 33 miles a week. So certainly compared to a lot of people who are doing hundreds, it's not that high. Um, But I've just found that for me, whether that's optimal from a performance standpoint, I'm not sure. But from certainly a variety standpoint, making sure I don't get bored with training, that's kind of about right. And I'm always the first to say that there can definitely be trade-offs in there. I mean, I think if you got a a Jim Wormsley or a Mark Derbyshire and made them also do a powerlifting routine, I'm sure their performance would drop down. But I think for the average runner who wants to get a bit better – Certainly including a bit of lifting in there would help, even if they don't go completely 50-50, but just a bit more strategic lifting and working more on top end strength, I think would probably provide some benefit. So I imagine a lot of people listening to this, Mike, don't really do powerlifting, so they don't maybe understand uh, that, that you know what you'd be doing. So give us an idea, you know, when you, you go to that gym for that hour, hour and a half of, of powerlifting, what, what exactly are you doing? Well, the, the three disciplines of powerlifting are the back squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. So when you actually do a competition, what happens is you get three attempts at each lift, and your heaviest successful attempt of each lift is taken to make your total. And then it's whoever's got the highest total in that weight class is the is the winner of the of the category in the competition. So a lot of it will be based around those barbell moves like the back squat, the the deadlift, and the bench press. And you're typically training sort of lower rep ranges. So anything up to probably, I mean, I'll train up to sort of 10 to 15 reps a set, but a lot of it will be that heavyweight, low reps, long rest period. But a typical training week for me would be a, uh, I'll start the week with a bench press focus session on a Monday. Tuesday will be more of a squat focus session. Um, Thursday will be another bench press session. And then Friday will be a bit more deadlift focused with a bit of squatting in there as well. And typically, like running, a lot of it is periodized. There'll be a lot of accessory stuff in there. So it's not like you're always going in and just doing the same lifts over and over again. But probably 80% of it is, yeah, those barbell moves plus things like uh, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of single leg work, so lunges, split squats, some posterior chain stuff, so a lot of glute work as well. And then your sort of accessories, so a bit of arms and shoulders and that kind of thing. So that's how I tend to split it up. I like a couple of upper body, a couple of lower body sessions a week. And most of it's probably in about that sort of six to 12 rep range for the most part. 
And was there a point where you began to realise that this was having a pretty serious effect on your on your running and, and helping you a lot? Probably in terms of talking with other runners, the one thing I've found is that the limiting factor for me a lot of the time in races isn't like muscular fatigue or strength a lot of the time. The, the thing for me has been things like uh, dehydration, sort of my feet getting really messed up. They've always been more the things that have slowed me down. But in terms of injuries, touch wood, I've been fairly resilient. I've had obviously the odd thing here and there, but there's never been anything that's had a massive impact. And then certainly, um, yeah, in terms of the, like I said, the fatigue, the muscular strength, that kind of stuff, I just don't seem to suffer in the same way as other people. Not to say I don't suffer at all. I definitely, definitely <laughs> still do, but it's it's kind of different, I think. And when I've when I've spoken to people and got them to include just a small bit of strength training, They've often found that actually they go from, you know, glutes never firing to actually that's no longer an issue or their hip flexors were really sore. They get a bit stronger in things like the squat and doing some lunges and stuff. All of a sudden hip flexor strength or adductor strength isn't nearly as much of an issue as it was. So I think that, like I said, there's definitely a trade off. I think if you spend 10 hours in the gym lifting weights, your running performance would likely dip because you're not giving it as much energy as you were before. But a bit of targeted strategic strength training, certainly heavier stuff, I think would benefit probably 90% of runners, in my opinion. Well, that's really interesting because I've been reading a book by a guy called Richard Asquith called Race Against Time. And uh, he's about my age, I think. And he kind of discovered accidentally the international masters running scene. And he interviewed people who are, you know, my age and, uh, and older and older and older again. And the one, well, the two common denominators that he found at the elite level at that those sort of age groups were uh, rest and recovery and strength and conditioning. So they were they were big advocates of gym work, you know. So so when you work, when you're talking to other runners in your kind of uh, you know your social groups and the people you go running with, the people you know through running, um, are they are they kind of keen to understand how what you're doing? And do you notice that they're maybe initially not doing a lot of strength conditioning work? Yeah, I think the um as advanced as sort of a lot of the information in running and ultra running is now in terms of nutrition and running form and recovery and stuff. I've found that coming from more of a strength background, I think strength training is still a bit behind. Um, obviously not across the board, but I think there's still a lot of people kind of trying to make their strength training a bit too like endurance work. So doing a lot of very high rep stuff, maybe they're doing, um, so they're, they're almost, I don't want to say afraid to go heavy on things, but maybe concerned about going a bit heavier, you know, don't want to get too big and bulky, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm sort of, when I speak to people, I try and encourage them, look, you're not going to suddenly gain 15 kilos overnight from doing a few squats and deadlifts, but you're probably going to get, provide your lifting with good form and periodizing it properly. You're probably going to get a stronger lower back, stronger core, stronger glutes, that kind of thing. So Great stuff, great stuff. And did you find that when, I mean, you've done, uh, you say in the notes you sent me that in the last couple of years, you've done 600 mile races and we'll have a chat about those in a second. But what, does does the strength work, does the powerlifting play a part in the recovery from those events? I would say so to a degree. So certainly after an event, I find top end strength is down just as you'd expect with your running as well, basically. Um, so, you know, after an event, there's fatigue there, there's all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, for me, it's sort of, it does take a while to come out of that in terms of recovery, but also I try and use it in the, the period after a, a race where perhaps my, you know, you're not running at the same volume. 
actually after that first week, it's maybe an opportunity to put a bit more into the strength because that's not as sort of affected. So yeah, it's um, again, all about periodization. I think I will specifically try when I've not got a race coming up. It's a bit more gym work time. It's a bit more working on weaknesses. Whereas when I'm in that peak training block, actually the strength training will probably, I'll aim to maintain it rather than try and build it just because obviously if you think of your body's capability for for training volume like a bucket, perhaps there's only so much you can pour into it. And I think if you're trying to go full send on your weight training sessions and pack in the miles every week, something's got to give. So I try and make sure that it's it's balanced appropriately throughout the year. Now, you did say when you contacted me, Mike, that you've done a couple of, and I don't know if there's a term for these events, where it involves uh, powerlifting and then running immediately afterwards. So um, so just tell us a little bit about that. And is there a term? Is there some sort of duathlon term for this? I think most people tend to refer to it as sort of uh, being a hybrid athlete is the main term I've heard. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, I've done a couple of bits like that. So I think it was uh, 2022 I did... Uh, an event that I just called the thousand hundred because it was a um, a combined powerlifting total of a thousand pounds. So that was I think it worked out to a hundred and fifty five kilo squat, hundred and ten kilo bench press, about hundred and ninety kilo deadlift was about a thousand pounds, and ran a hundred miles after that. Uh, and then last year I decided I really enjoyed the one the year before, so I did um on the spread split over two days so the first day i did a maximum number of reps on 100 kilo back squat and 140 kilo deadlift and then i live down in hampshire and we have the solent way near us it's just over 100k so yeah the the day after that i went and ran the solent way just did it as a solo run um just to kind of see what was doable really. <laughs> i didn't know anyone else who'd done it i thought it was quite a cool idea and actually yeah, combining the two things is probably yeah, I'd say probably what I enjoy most just because I, I love both them individually. So if I can combine the two, then why not, basically? So what's the £1,000 at the 100 miles? Was that a, a an organised event or just you doing something? No, I just set up. So I did it for charity. Um, I wanted to raise a bit of money for Macmillan. So I had lots of people very kindly sponsor me for that. Uh, and we did document a bit of it. So I had some people doing a, a bit of filming for it and whacked it on YouTube just to get a bit more sponsorship money. But it was more just one of those, I thought, that would be quite a cool idea. I don't know anyone who's done that. I mean, there are lots of people who are equally capable of doing it. But for me, it was just, is that possible for me to do? I'm not too sure, but let's give it a go and find out. So are there, are there organised events uh, combining the two, as far as you know, or, or is there an opportunity here? As far as I know, there aren't. But actually, I think for any business savvy people out there who've got good connections in the powerlifting world and the, uh, the ultra running road, they're probably are to be honest i know wow. there's a lot of youtubers who are quite into doing the same thing so actually yeah a competition could be a yeah quite a good thing for someone to to take a lead on i think <laughs> well we we are going to talk a little bit about the arc of attrition so i'm already envisaging mike that ne- you know next year's 100 arc of attrition everyone's down in cover act and they've got their weights and they've got to prove they can do all the weightlifting before they can go across the line do you think <laughs> come on ferg you could make this happen if you're listening to this so so now, um, of course, you know, you had a fantastic 2024 arc of attrition, Mike, 13th equal with your friend, uh, Blaine Kinley, and um, you took three and a half hours off your 2023 time. So how did that happen? Were you, were you ambling around in 2023 or have you suddenly whizzed forward in 2024? I'll be honest, 2023, I think the route terrified me. I'd done a, done a bit of it in some recce runs, but the terrain's so different to what we've got here down in Hampshire that... I went into that event with the sole goal of finishing it, 
basically. So I definitely saw 2023 much more as an adventure and just wanted to get around and finish it. Uh, did, obviously did push it, but at the same time, I was just delighted to get round. Swore that I'd done it once, never again. And then when the <laughs> entry forms opened up for 2024, I, for whatever reason, thought, actually, I reckon that black buckle is doable. So, yeah, just decided to take it a bit more seriously this year in terms of, I think I went down for three different recce runs. So I actually did the um, the Lighthouse Marathon down there, which I know you, I think you were, were in for as well, were you not? before it started yeah yeah unfortunately it was my only dnf of my whole uh career so uh, yeah it kept me out the arc 50 for a year but that's probably a good thing i think yeah so yeah the um fortunately i yeah managed to not get injured on that so that was a good good recce run um and then i did a couple more recce runs down there as well and just sort of got to know the course a bit better i think and also realized it was actually checkpoint management that was a big thing so i know that 2023 I think I averaged out about 15 minutes per checkpoint and realized I actually could probably cut that by quite a bit. So yeah, definitely took this year a bit more seriously. And yeah, it was, I mean, I wouldn't say it was good fun. I'm not, not <laughs> sure that things are ever good fun, but yeah, managed to to shave a good chunk off my time. So yeah, I was very pleased with that. Fantastic. And did it, did it help running around with Blaine? Because I think you ran around together all the way through, didn't you? Looking at, you've got a lengthy Facebook report on this, so... Yeah, we spoke to each other at the start. So we both um, were sort of part of the same informal running club. And we go out for the odd run together. And we said to each other at the start, we actually separately compared um, or put together times we were looking for getting to each checkpoint at. And when we compared that, we were virtually the same for each one. So we said, okay, let's set out together. If one of us wants to go, that's fine. If one of us falls back, we're not going to hang around for each other. But I think over the whole thing, we never got more than probably about 500 metres apart. Um, and that, that did definitely help because he he pushed it very hard at the start, harder than I probably would have done. But I think we needed that just because actually that got us a bit ahead of our time. Certainly by um, by Land's End, we we're about half an hour up and where we wanted to be. And the confidence boost of being like that and then going through that slower section afterwards. Yeah, that was massively helpful. So I like to think I also maybe pulled him along in sections as well. But I know personally... Yeah, having another sort of strong runner there was definitely the <clears throat> sort of the physical and mental motivation to push it a bit harder than maybe I would have done on my own. Great stuff. And you had our mutual friend James Skeplorn as your crew. James was on a podcast in 2023 talking about, amongst other things, the Silly 60. So was it was he good crew for you? Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. So he, he uh, crewed for me both years. He was kind of the reason I got into it because I'd not heard of it before he mentioned it because obviously he's he's local um and yeah he was he was really wanted me to come down and do it last year and i think just the fact that he's he's super efficient he knows the course so well he's very no nonsense as well so actually um a couple of times sort of i came in and said uh, i remember at one point i said oh, i'm yeah my right foot i've got a bit of a blister on it and he said do you want to sort it out i said no i'll just carry on he said that could end your race and i was like yeah, you've got a point. So he was like, right, sock off, shoe off, sock off. Let's fix that. Work some tape around it. And yeah, that could well have, as you said, saved my race. So yeah, just very no nonsense. And yeah, very, very good in terms of being yeah, super on it with logistics and everything like that. So yeah, massive help for sure. Now, talking of uh, injuries, I, I noticed from your report that 12 days before the start, you tweaked your knee doing a warm up or something. And uh, you didn't run for those 12 days, but you had three sessions of physio. So that's, you know, that's the tapering thing. So 
Do you think ultimately that worked in your favour, where you're forced to not run for 12 days? Because I know a lot of people who did the arc, and they were still running like three or four days before, and I'm thinking, is this right, you know? Yeah, well, so there's me earlier saying I very rarely get injured, and then (laughs) (laughs) something two weeks before. Um, Yeah, I certainly think that what's that? I I, I know people throw around different percentages, but I think it's probably true that actually you're better to turn up 10% undertrained than 1% overtrained. I've always gone with that theory anyway. I think, especially being quite a low volume runner myself, I'd rather turn up, yeah, maybe not having raced or not having run for a, a few days or a week before. I don't think that's 100% optimal, but I certainly there was no fatigue going into that at all. So whilst it was a bit, it felt a bit clunky and a bit awkward in the first 10 miles, having not run for almost two weeks, at the same time, yeah, there was no excuse for being fatigued. I felt pretty fresh. So I'm not sure I deliberately set out to do no running at all in the future in a race for two weeks before, but actually... Yeah. For me, it kind of showed that yeah, you don't need to train right up to the day and you certainly shouldn't try and push it too hard in those sort of three weeks before a race. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because I, I'm sure a lot of runners think as soon as they don't run for a week, they're going to suddenly lose it all, you know, forget how to run. They'll get out the door and not be able to run at all. Yeah, so they get very paranoid about the tapering, I think, a lot of them. So that's great. Now, one of the things I just wanted to link back to your powerlifting, I noticed a comment where you said in your report that you got to Land's End just after 11pm, so you're in great shape, you're ahead of your schedule, 55 miles in, and then you said, uh, in your report, you said you were feeling dead on your feet, but then as soon as you left there, you were full on ready to push hard. So it sounded like there was a big transition of where you were, and, and then suddenly you left and you were Get go again, and I wondered if again if your power lifting uh, helped that help you get into that new kind of feeling good again. If I'm honest, I think that was probably more the combination of a bacon sandwich, some paracetamol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the lifting might have played a part, but I think actually that um, yeah, whoever made me that bacon sandwich at Land's End is uh, yeah deserves a medal of their own. I think just because, <laughs> yeah, I think it was almost helpful for that phase because you know after Land's End it's going to be a bit slower going anyway. So I think we'd run pretty hard into there, and I knew that actually as as horrible as some of that next section is at the same time you're forced to slow down because of the terrain so yeah i think mentally it was uh it was probably that combined with yeah the food the the caffeine and the painkillers <laughs> great stuff so um i'm i want to end this podcast in uh, uh asking you mike for a couple of tips around the you know the the lifting and the strength work for listeners in case they're not doing anything at the moment but before we do that what anything you've got lined up now for the 2024 a uh, couple more races in the diaries. I'm doing the South Downs Way Hundreds uh, down here in Hampshire in June, and then I've got the race across Scotland in August. That's uh, okay. Yeah, be, if I finish that, that'll be by far the furthest I've ever run. So that's my big challenge. Yeah, most of my effort this year is going into hopefully getting the 215 miles done for that. Wow, 250 or 15? 15. 15. 15. Wow. Wow. Well, I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. I've got a feeling the South Down Sounds way has been on our radar before, but definitely not Race Against Scotland. So it'd be great to have you back when you've done that and tell us uh, tell us how that was. We've got uh, one of our regular listeners, Colin Bathe, doing the West Highland Way, which I think is in June. So he's uh, we're hoping he's going to take some recording equipment with him uh, to, for his crew to interview him during the race. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Right. So, Mike... Um, you know, people are listening to this thinking, okay, this is a huge amount of weights that you're talking about. But if they want to start thinking about or get into doing some 
strength work, what would you recommend is a good way to get going? I would say first and foremost is making sure you're lifting with good form. So the same with running, that's kind of paramount because getting stronger is good, but you want to get stronger whilst you know, preventing injury and all that kind of stuff. And then for me, the main thing is focus on what I would call bang for your buck exercises. So for runners, that's going to be a lot of single leg work. So your split squats, your lunges, your step ups, that kind of thing. Uh, posterior chain work as well as so working on the glutes. I'm a big fan of deadlift variations, even sort of the upper back as well. I think a lot of runners, um, we can get quite tight in the chest, especially when running with a pack. So actually doing exercises like some pull-ups, some face pulls, some different types of rowing movements, that's going to be really helpful. And then also probably just, I think for a lot of runners, they see strength work as a bit boring. So any way you can find to make it fun, whether that's like supersetting stuff, whether it's training with a friend, um, and just seeing it as a, a different kind of challenge as well. I think getting stronger can be, well, it can be very, very fun. That's the main thing. So yeah, good form, work it into your schedule and pick the exercises that are going to benefit you the most. And also just don't kind of go overkill on it really, you know, a session or two a week if you go from doing nothing to doing a couple of 40 to 50 minute sessions probably going to see a lot of benefit from that great stuff now you mentioned pack there and i wrote down weighted pack so uh, some people i know train with weighted packs is that anything you have ever done or i've only done it with walking and with hiking um my my feeling is that running with it can potentially change your gait too much where you are particularly weighed down okay but stick on a weighted vest for a 20 minute walk and it yeah that feels like a workout so (laughs) i've not done that for a couple of years but certainly used to be a one workout a week would be a bit of a route march for an hour wearing a vest and that was uh yeah you knew you'd done that by the time you finished Great stuff. Well, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks so much for for listening in anyway. And uh, the best of luck with Race Against Scotland. And it would be really great to uh, have you back when you've completed that and tell us all about that. Uh, That would be fantastic. So, Mike, thanks so much. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you, Trevor. Really enjoyed it. Well, that's the first time we've had someone come on and talk about powerlifting and ultra running and how they can combine together. So if you're thinking that the best way to just, uh, you know, do great ultra runs is to keep on running, 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 well, maybe you want to consider doing what Mike did and do some powerlifting because we know that strength and conditioning work is really important. And if you're getting on a bit like me, (laughs) then check out Richard Asquith's book, Race Against Time, because he discovered the master's running scene, which is kind of 40 plus, actually, in all fairness. But he discovered those people, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, who were all doing epic things. And the two things that he discovered that they were doing collectively without realising it with each other was they were good at rest and recovery and they were also doing lots of strength work. Okay, so there you go. Right, so Mike talked about that epic run that he's going to do in August called Race Across Scotland. So we'll uh, look forward to him coming back on the podcast. And I did mention the West Highland Way Race and Colin Bathe, one of our guests and one of our regular listeners, is taking that on on Saturday, the 22nd of June, 2024. It starts at 1am in the morning and we're hoping that we'll get a podcast recording with Colin that will be Colin before he goes and then Colin while he's there, as recorded by Becca, who's going to be his crew, and then Colin when he gets back and we'll splice them all together into one episode to see whether his expectations then matched what happened. So that's going to be a first for the way we record in that particular way. So that's coming up in June. Now, if you've got something you're doing or you've already done, there isn't the arc of attrition, all right? <laughs> Nothing against the arc of attrition, but I think we've covered that now. Um, 
then, you know, and you want to come and share it on the podcast, then podcast at trevorleemedia.co.uk. That would be fantastic. And you could be on the next episode even. Who knows? And it could be the first time you've been a guest on the podcast. Wow, how exciting is that? It's all done on Zoom. I'll send you a link. It's dead easy to organise. Right, see you then. <laughs>